We're so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Let's continue to pray for, for our, our town and, and our community. So Father, yeah, we pray for our, our, our villages, our towns, this, this Yas Valley and its area. We, we pray that you would uh, kindle a revival in each of us that flows forth around this community. We pray, as we talked about last week, that we would see this community transformed, that it would be a place of peace, that it would be a place of prosperity in you, Lord, and that it would be a, a place where people are healed and set free uh, physically from illness. It would be a place where people find their salvation in you. Um, so we pray for the transformation of this, uh, this valley, Lord, this area, this region. Uh, Lord, we pray for those in our community that are unwell. We pray that you would bring them to fullness of health, that you'd set them free from pain, from disease, from suffering. Uh, Lord, we remember uh, Perry Aldridge, um, part of our extended family, Lord, uh, a child of this church. We, we pray for him, Father, uh, in his rehabilitation and recovery. We pray that you continue to uh, give him more physical function, but also to, to give him uh, renewed hope for the future. And we thank you that he's, he's maintained so much of that. We pray for his wife, Philippa, uh, and, and his children, uh, both born and yet to be born. We pray for all of that process. We pray for the whole family. We pray for answers and solutions to questions we can't even think to pray for in that space, Lord. Father, and we pray for our church this morning as well. We pray for those gathered here, those online, those who are not uh, connected at all in this moment. We pray that you'd continue to uh, restore us as we move to a post-COVID season, Lord. We pray that you'd restore the gatherings of our church, Lord. We thank you for the, the new online tools and the way to connect if we can't be here. But we also pray that you would draw us together as a body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Um, so this morning we're switching uh, gears a little bit. We've spent a whole month talking about our vision for this year, that, that, that hope to be transformed as individuals, as a church, to see our community transformed. Um, but we're not leaving that behind. We're moving into, well, how are we going to start to put that into place? Uh, and so this morning uh, we're going to talk about each one reach one. This is going to be uh, something that you know, we're talking about over the next month. Uh, but it's, it's, it's going to be something that's ongoing and it'll, it'll be something that we continue to talk about as a church. Uh, but, so I want to start uh, by asking an important question. Uh, how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? Any thoughts? 25? No reasoning. Any other thoughts around that? Five? Yep. One? Yep, so uh, I googled this. I do have another more important question in a moment, but, but I googled this, how many Baptists does it, and I just let Google fill out the rest of that, it's helpful, how many Baptists, so one of the responses was, change? What do you mean change? Baptists don't change, um, so we're going to prove them wrong, we're going to be transformed, aren't we? Uh, the other response was uh, 15, so somewhere between our guesses, one to change the light bulb, thanks Neil, uh, and three committees to approve the change and to decide who brings the potato salad. <laughs> I, I would say we don't need to decide, just everyone bring potato salad. Amen. All right, amen. All right. So thank you, Lord, for the message this morning. Uh, no. The real question I want to ask is how many Christians does it take to lead one person to Jesus? One. 
Statistically, in Australia, the answer is 100 regular church attenders to reach one person for Jesus in a year. So pre-COVID, I've got no idea the size of our church now. Some of you are online, some of you are here, I don't know where we are. But pre-COVID, we used to be around about 100 people on a Sunday on average. And so this kind of, it's easy for us to do the maths because that's what it is. So research from Crossway Baptist in Melbourne who've developed a program around building a discipleship culture, they wanted to know, well, what, what is the average? And so across denominations, across Australia, obviously some are better, some are, some are slower, it takes 100 people on average in attendance on a Sunday to reach one person for Jesus in a year. So we all answered, there was lots of answers, well, it only takes one person to reach someone for Jesus... But on average, it takes 100 of us a whole year to reach one person. And so, you know, we, we might say, well, that means the church will grow 10% over 10 years, like 10 new people, 100. Then I, thought, then I, this might be a bit morbid, but I thought, well, what's the death rate? And so the average death rate in Australia is about 0.68%. I'd have to say as a church in my time here, we've been doing better than that. We've, we've had less fatalities. But, but so what that means, if you add those numbers together, the church is hardly growing. Churches may grow as people move to town or, 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 or move from other churches. Churches may grow, but the church in Australia is barely growing. And in fact, if you add in other factors into that, people dropping out of church, the church is actually not growing, it's in decline. And so even if we took that 1%, it would take 10 years to grow 10%. But I've suggested our vision, our goal, our our cry as a church should be to reach 10% of the Yass Valley in 10 years. And so that is more like, that's something like 1,700% growth in 10 years. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2, sorry, 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 4, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. And this includes for kings and all those in authority that we may live peacefully, sorry, peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who, this is what I want to get to, wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so we have this thing where it takes a hundred of us on average to reach one person each year, in a year. But God desires all people to be saved, all people to come to a knowledge of the truth. And, And so we need to turn things around. We need to shift, we need to do something different or or change our approach. We need to turn things around because there's this big gap between 100 for one and God's desire for all people to be saved. And so that's what each one, reach one about, is about. It's It's a vision to see everyone from Yass Community Baptist Church actively engaged in reaching the one for Jesus. Now I want to say the one is not a limit. You are allowed to reach more than one person for Jesus. Uh, what we're talking about, each one reaching one, is, is that the many is made up of the one. Uh, See, so if I'm talking about, well, let's reach you know, 1,700 people for Jesus in 10 years as a church, and we talked about this last week, some of us won't be here then. 
But we need to start today anyway. It's about passing that on to others. But, but if we're going to reach that many people for Jesus, that's not going to happen from some big event, I don't think. It's going to happen from one after one after one after one. Each one reach one. But who is the one? Well, it's your family. It's your friends. It's your co-workers. It's your children. It's your parents. It's those that you know that don't yet know Jesus. They're the one. Each one reach one. It's acknowledging that Jesus is the one who stopped for the one. It's acknowledging that Jesus cared more for the one than he cared for the crowd. Each one reach one. It's about each of us seeking to reach one for Jesus and not leaving it to someone else. I think the church in the world, in a sense, And this is no disregard for Billy Graham. He was an amazing man of God. But we need to look beyond the Billy Grahams. We need to look beyond the the crusades, the events, the, the great man or the great woman who's going to come and lead crowds to Jesus. It's beyond an event or a show. And I was listening to something the other day about how social change often happens and, um, and it was this... Uh, research who was saying it often looks like it's, it's one important person at the middle of this big social change. Because that's the story we like to tell ourselves, but often, more often than not, social change, which you know, people coming to Jesus and, and turning their life to him would be kind of categorised in that space, so to speak. It happens at the margins towards the centre. And so obviously Billy Graham was a great man of God, but, but those that showed up at his crusades were, were invited there, most likely by a friend who knew Jesus. And, and so the story we take away from that is that there was this one man, but it was actually thousands of men and women of God praying, building relationships, inviting people to those things. Hear me right, I'm not trying to tear Billy Graham down. Thank God for Billy Graham. Many people today would not have faith in Jesus apart from him. What I'm saying is let's not wait for another Billy Graham. Let's not leave it to someone else. Let's each seek to be reaching people for Jesus. So each one reach one is that vision, but it's also a strategy. It's a strategy to equip the church to be engaged in personal personal mission and evangelism to the local community. So what we often do as a church, what pastors like me often do is we we say, you've got to lead people to Jesus and do nothing to show you how. And so what ends up is we we feel a bit guilty because we think, well, well, yeah, I should be leading people to Jesus and we feel disempowered because we don't really know how. And so we don't want to just say, well, everyone go reach someone. We, We want to spend some time talking about well, how do we do that? How do we actually move towards doing that? And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk more about that. This sermon series will ultimately become some workshops we do in the future, but we want to essentially do this workshop with the whole church. And so today, uh, more just introducing that idea, but I want you to leave with three beliefs today. Three things I want you to believe at the end of this morning. Firstly, that I am called... That's you and me, not just me. I want you to believe that I am called to lead people to Jesus. I want you to believe that I want to lead people to Jesus. And I want you to believe that I can 
lead people to Jesus. If you're at home and you're like, why is everyone stopped? We can hear an ice cream truck somewhere. I, I am called to lead people to Jesus. I want to lead people to Jesus. I can lead people to Jesus. Those are the three beliefs I want you to leave, leave with today. And so, firstly, I'm called to lead people to Jesus. Who believes that already? Who believes that you are called to lead people to Jesus? We talked about, about this last week, so I'm going to not spend too much time on it, and I think we've got this anyway, but the Great Commission in Matthew 28, starting at verse 16, says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Acts 1.8, another account of that same moment, um, Jesus says it this way, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so our our, our role description is disciple makers or witnesses or or the... um, Scripture that Veronica read for us uses that word ambassadors. That's all of us, disciple makers, witnesses to Jesus. That just means telling them, telling others what we've seen in Jesus. Ambassadors means that we're his representatives. And here's what I want us to grab. That's not just the evangelist. Some people have this special gifting to be evangelists, but this isn't just for the evangelist. This is not just for the extroverts. This is not just for those who are really sure about everything about their faith. The Great Commission tells us that some of them doubted, yet Jesus still commissioned them. This is not something that we start only when our faith is completely free from doubt. We are all called. I want you to declare that over your life. You can do that right now, but this week, just to simply... Declare that I am called to lead people to Jesus. I'm called to lead people to Jesus. I think we get this. Lots of hands went up when I said, Who already believes that? And I think where we fall short, though, is in the desire and in the know how. But it starts with that understanding that we are called, that is our purpose. It begins to get traction when we accept that. Or when we move to a place where we can honestly say, I want to lead people to Jesus. And I think this desire comes when when we remember what our life would be like, what our eternity would be like if we didn't have Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, 12 and 13, Paul's writing to the church and he encourages them to do just that. He says, remember... That at that time, that's before you put your faith in Jesus, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
And so the desire to lead others to Jesus begins, I think, when we remember where we were or where we would be without Jesus. Because that's, that's what those people around us who don't know Jesus, that's where they're at. Without hope, without faith, without God in this world. And so we need to remember in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts 4.12, Peter and John on trial before the religious leaders of the day being told to stop talking about Jesus and refusing to do so because of this truth that Jesus just said in uh, John 4.14.6 in Acts 4.12, they say, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven but given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so Peter and John were saying, no matter what restrictions you place on us, no matter what you do to stop us from telling people about Jesus, we can't. Because in Jesus' words, he's the only way to the Father. In Peter's words, there is no other name by which a person can be saved. And so we've got to want to lead people to Jesus because it's an unpopular truth but Jesus is the only way we live in a world that wants to say all roads lead to God my favorite Formula One driver Daniel Ricciardo has a new helmet on the top of it it says and he's proudly showing it on his Instagram always all good and one of the things he mentioned in that is all religions are all good that's the popular belief in our world today, but it's not the biblical belief. The biblical belief is Jesus is the only name by which we can be saved. And so we've got to want and let other people know about him. In Matthew 13... Realize I'm trying to just beat you with lots of scriptures into wanting to lead people to Jesus. I don't apologize. In Matthew 13, verses 47 to 51, uh, Jesus talks about it's called the parable of the net. Um, if you want to hear a really good sermon focusing just on this, just go back through our archives. Fine, it's called Dragged to Shore um, by one of our guests, Steve Frost. But it says in verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like, and this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but they threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus said. Yes, they replied. And so I want to say this morning that judgment is real and it's coming. 
It's another, perhaps, unpopular belief. What Steve spoke about is, is it's important that we know when we are in the story. We are not at the point of judgment. We need to know who we are in the story. We are not the judges. We're part of God's big dragnet seeking to draw everybody to shore, to salvation. But the reality is a judgment is coming. Between the righteous and the wicked. And the reality is, apart from Jesus, we're all wicked. In John, in Jesus, in John chapter 3, verse 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son, that is Jesus, has eternal life. And so we don't need to fear this judgment if we believe in the Son. But it says, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Remains. And so some might say, well, I just don't believe that a loving God would send people to hell. I don't either. But I believe that the answer to that is, He's given us salvation in Jesus. It says God's wrath remains on them. Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer. Those who reject Jesus are continuing on the path that we were all on prior to belief in Him. And so here's the point. Just as we cannot say we love people if we have no concern for their practical needs. One of John's letters talks about that. It's not love if we see someone in need and say, have a great day, see you later. If we don't tend to their physical needs as we have means. Just as that's not love for others, we cannot say we love people and not want them to know about Jesus. We cannot say that we love people and not want them to know about Jesus. Otherwise, we're just making sure they're comfortable and well-fed on their way to judgment. It's just like we're holding people's hands while they're walking to the edge of a cliff that they don't know is there. The old cliche is true. We, can't, we can lead a horse to water, we can't make it drink. We can't make everyone believe in Jesus, but, but we've got to lead them there. In John 10.10, Jesus says the thief came to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. And so it's for other people's benefit that we share Jesus with them. Now talking about judgment might be a bit of a a lead balloon, but, but the reason I raise it is because it's for them that we share Jesus with them. It's for life eternal that we share Jesus with them, but it's also for life now that we share Jesus with them. It's for life overflowing to the full, to the max. That's why Jesus came. As it said in that reading that Veronica read for us in 2 Corinthians 5.14, it's Christ's love for others that should compel us to want to tell them about him. 
And so this is heaven's priority. In Luke 15, Jesus tells three parables. He tells a parable about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And in every parable, the point is the celebration of the lost one coming home. The lost coin being found, the lost sheep being returned, the lost son returning to the father. And Jesus says in those parables that every time someone returns to God, there is a party, a celebration in heaven. This is heaven's priority. His focus is on those that are not yet found. And so our focus, our desire should be on those who are not yet found. We're called to lead people to Jesus, but but my hope is that we want to lead people to Jesus. Because there is no other hope apart from Jesus. No other hope for this life, but certainly no other hope for eternity apart from Jesus. I'm called to lead people to Jesus. I want to lead people to Jesus. Some of us might struggle with that belief, but I want to encourage you to declare that over yourself. I want to lead people to Jesus. I want to lead people to Jesus. And the third thing I talked about was I want you to know that you can lead people to Jesus. I can lead people to Jesus. And this is actually where we're going to spend the rest of our time for the rest of this series. We want you to be equipped, not feeling guilty or discouraged. The scriptures give us so much encouragement that those who believe they could not can lead people to Jesus. We only need to look at Paul, who Crystal shared about in that kids' message who in, in one encounter with Jesus was transformed from someone who was trying to destroy the followers of Jesus to, to someone who, regardless of all obstacles, would tell others about Jesus. The, the, the account of that in Acts 9 talks about, at once, Jesus arguing powerfully, sorry, Paul arguing powerfully that Jesus is the Son of God. We only need to look at Peter who was transformed from fearful rejecter that he'd ever even met Jesus to only a few weeks later proclaiming publicly in the centre of Jerusalem that all must repent and turn to Jesus in order to be saved. What happened between that? Well, there was a resurrection. There was a filling with the Holy Spirit. And Peter was transformed from a I can't to I can We can look at the Apostle Paul's encouragement to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.5 where he says a bunch of things, but he says, do the work of an evangelist. Now I take that to understand that that Timothy's gifting wasn't naturally that of an evangelist. If we read about Timothy, it seems he was more like a pastoral uh, gifting, a, a leadership gifting, but yet Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. It's something that we can all do. Leading people to Jesus. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about, in this kind of vision for each one to reach one, we're going to talk about faith-focused forward. It's taking our faith and focusing it forward towards others. But it begins with faith. Faith is about investing into and prioritizing our own faith in Jesus. It's about building confidence within ourselves for the gospel. It's about having faith. Focused is about focused on prayer for the lost. 
Focus is about focused on building genuine relationships with others outside of faith. Forward is about moving the gospel forward through sharing Jesus with others and through inviting others into Christian community. It could be the church, that could be other groups, but, but it's about taking our faith, building on it, strengthening it, nourishing it. It's about focusing on prayer and relationships. It's about moving forward through sharing the good news about Jesus and inviting others to come and see. And so I don't expect any of us, except for maybe a couple of us, to feel fully equipped to do the work of evangelists just yet. But I want to encourage you this morning that it starts with belief. Those three beliefs. That I'm called to lead people to Jesus. That I I want to lead people to Jesus. And in faith this morning, even if you're sitting there thinking, "I, I, not me. I want you to begin to believe this morning. I can lead people to Jesus. I don't know how. Maybe. I don't know what it looks like. I can't imagine how that's going to happen. Maybe. But just simply this morning to begin with, I can. If Paul can, if Peter can, if Timothy can, if the person to the left and the right of me can, if the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me through faith in Jesus, then I can lead people to Jesus. I'm called. I want to. I can. The heart of our appeal, my appeal this morning to the church is don't leave it to someone else. A few weeks ago when we were talking about transformation beginning in us, we we spoke about praying for a personal revival. That we might be a source of revival for others. And um, so as we come to our final song this morning, I just wanted to encourage you. We can't sing in this building anyway. So don't worry, like let the words just soak into you. But but take this moment. It was an encounter with Jesus that transformed Paul. It was the filling of the Holy Spirit that transformed Peter. And so just take this moment as we sing or as the ladies sing just to pray I believe I can Lord bring about an encounter or revival in me this morning thanks for joining us today as you head back into your week we want to encourage you to stay in his word stay in his love and stay strong in your faith don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook Instagram or via our website at ycbc.church See you soon.